Helping counselees form good habits on this edition of Truth and Love. I'm Dale Johnson, and you're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, where we seek to provide biblical solutions to the problems that people face. And today on the podcast, uh, once again, I am joined by Dr. Greg Gifford. Greg is the Associate Professor of Biblical Counseling at the Masters University. He received his PhD from Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. He is an elder at Faith Community Church. He is a certified member of ACBC, and he recently completed his fellow process, so now he is a fellow with ACBC as well. He is married to Amber. And they have two boys and one on the way, praise the Lord. Really excited about that. He's released a new book called Heart and Habits. And I want to talk with him further about this, I think, a very important book. So, Greg, one of the things I want you to do first, if you can, is just share share a little bit about a personal story, the way that, that some of the ideas of habits was developed into your heart and the way this idea of, of habits personally affected you and even the way that you minister. Okay, thank you for letting me do this. You know, it's it's really the privilege of every biblical counselor to be a, an instructor in habits to a certain degree. And it's no different in my own experience that really I've been an instructor in habits for nine, almost 10 years now, as long as I've been counseling. And what I have found is that when we're assigning homework, a big part of what we do, we're teaching individuals habit formation and helping them practice godly habits. It really started to become apparent. I was working with a couple and they had no meaningful time together. Um, Just think of it this way, just very transactional conversations, talk about the kids, talk about logistics, but no, like when one gets home, they pause and talk with the other and just small talk, obviously no date nights. And so they were at this communication impasse and it was a very cold time and the affection of their home. So up front, one of the things that I asked them to do was to just develop the habit of time together. And that habit could be expressed in a couple of ways. Obviously date nights, you know, that's a very standard one. But I also asked them that whenever the spouse gets home, so whoever's home first, that they pause for the first 15 minutes of the other spouse's arrival and they just chat with them for 15 minutes. Just how was your day? Take a break, pause, talk about things. There's nothing magical about either of those date night or it's called the first 15 minutes exercise. There's nothing magical about it, but there is something important about just starting to talk again and starting to have a space where you can communicate as a married couple. So what I began to find is that the impasse of communication, it started to break down because now they could, they could at least have a conversation together and then they could at least joke about certain things. And yet there were certain topics that had to be discussed, but yet that habit of time together was cultivating intimacy in their marriage. So I could duplicate that a thousand times and be able to say, here is how this has looked a thousand times over as we have assigned a person to practically do something out of obedience, spirit-enabled obedience, and God used that to start to bring about change and transformation in themselves or in, like in this case, in their marriage. So that's that's the practical outworking or maybe just a, a short example of what it looks like to see habits 
change and bring about change. Yeah, I think it's important you mentioned that habits in and of themselves, there's nothing magical about them. But what what we often realize is habits have already been formed in their life that have precluded them from fostering good relationship with one another. So to make them aware and to help build habits that that help foster a godly biblical relationship is going to be something that's that's key. And this is a part of what you dive into in your book. So what are what are some of the ways that that your book affects the work of biblical counseling when you talk about heart and habits? Biblical counseling, as I mentioned just a second ago, we are all instructors and in habits. And I, I don't know if many of us have thought of ourselves that way, mm-hmm. that we are coaches in a sense, coaching people to re-engage in their Bible, to re-engage in fellowship, to re-engage in obedience to what God's word says. And we're doing that at a, a weekly level most of the time. So think of your counseling process like this. Most of us are starting with weekly meetings when we're meeting with a new counselee. And for those first five, six sessions, it's going to be weekly. So then what's taking place is we're helping people form new habits and implement those habits over a month to two months. And then we're going to start to stagger our time out with those individuals. So then our goal as biblical counselors is to help form habits in this counselee that will last long after we're done meeting with them. So let me just take the habit of meditating on God's word. The habit of meditating on God's word is a habit that we practice and we develop. And God uses that habit to help address things in our life like anxiety. So maybe I need to meditate on the character of God. And as I develop that habit and I assign that homework in the counseling process, my counselee starts to meditate on the character of God, and especially in the times when they're tempted to be anxious, they start to meditate on the character of God, maybe his sovereignty or his goodness. So then before long, when they're tempted to be anxious, they start to meditate on the goodness of God. I mean, like, hallelujah, that's what we're doing. And sometimes we don't realize what we're doing. We're helping them form good habits. So in this book, my goal was to write in such a way that biblical counselors would benefit and understanding a theology of habits and why do habits do that, but also to write in a broader way to where those that are just looking for growth and biblical change can understand the way that habits work in their life as well. So biblical counselors are maybe coaches and trainers in habits, but big picture, this hopefully could just inform those who are considering how do I change? That's the subtitle of the book how we change for good. How do I change for good, for a lasting way, for God's glory and so forth? Yeah, because the Bible certainly has a method, right, of the way that change happens. And it certainly speaks to the issue of of heart motivation, desires, passions, affections. But it's, it's not without mention of habits, things that we are called to do. And I think you're weaving that together. You talked about meditation, Greg, as a means to form habits, healthy habits for the counseling, things that promote understanding of the word and, and, and change, as it were. But I want you to talk a little bit about, uh, for the counselor, how does homework affect habit formation? I mean, help, help them to take something like meditation or uh, other aspects that we may give as homework and think about that in terms of forming a habit through the homework that you give as a counselor. Okay, so a good biblical counselor is trained in homework. Mm -hmm. And if you're listening to this as a counselor, you know you're assigning homework or you should be. And part of what you're doing in that homework process 
is you're ensuring that your counselee is practicing certain habits. I think all of us could identify quite easily that there, there are often just very common spiritual breakdowns with our counselees, things that aren't happening that are very fundamental habits to their spiritual maturity. Let me give you an example. It's not uncommon in my experience, those that I'm counseling are not strongly connected to fellowship. When I say strongly connected, I, I don't mean like they sh- they don't go to church at all, yet they might show up on Sunday morning and leave right after the service is over with, but they don't have meaningful Christian community. They don't have a strong connection to the body of Christ. So what are you assigning them week one? You're assigning them to go to a small group Bible study or to go to Sunday school and to get more involved in fellowship. So how does your homework help form habits? It, it does it like this. Week one, you assign you need to be engaged in your local church and increase that engagement if they're only marginally involved. And then week two, you're following up on did they do that and what did it look like and how did it go? And then week two, you assign it again. And then week three, you follow up on it. So you could substitute in Bible reading or meditation that you're assigning. You could substitute in church attendance. You could substitute in service and giving your time to others as a member of the local church. Any of those habits are going to be habits that you're assigning. And then in your next counseling session, you're going to review, did your counselee do it or did they not do it? So then practically what takes place is over the duration of, let's say, 12 sessions as our model, that we have now six months that we've spent with a person and we've assigned them to be reading their word or to be engaged in local church fellowship weekly. So when we get to the seventh month, we don't have to tell them anymore. They're just doing it. Mm -hmm. And it's not surprising how that's happened because we've required them to do it. We've held them accountable to do it. We've encouraged them to do it. And now in the seventh month, they're not even thinking about what they're going to do on Sunday mornings. They're just going to church and they're getting engaged in their local fellowship. That's what it practically looks like for us to help develop habits through homework. And you've talked about some of these good key habits. What are some of the habits that that we want our counselees to imbibe? I mean, these are things that maybe not every counselee will will begin, but but these are some of the key habits that we want counselees to develop, or maybe we would even say they they need to develop in their life. I have no problem, and you, you may um, chastise me for this, but I have no problem saying that if a person is not involved in their local church and they have access to one, you know, so this isn't the missionary on the field, that they're the only Christian in the city. But if they're not involved in their local gospel preaching church, that they are failing to practice a biblically prescribed habit. That's Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. No chastisement here, brother. You keep going. All right, good. Let me let me keep going on this. Because then what, what I'm saying then is, all right, if you're not engaged in a local church in any capacity, that's got to change. We love you. You got to be part of the church. And I may actually do a rock solid killer job as a biblical counselor with you right now. But if you don't get involved in a local church, guess what's going to happen two years from now? You're going to be in the exact same situation going through the exact same problems because you need the body of Christ. You just do. That's right. So habit one, local church. Habit two, engagement in the word in some method. It's audio Bible. It's reading in the mornings. It's memorization. It's meditation. 
If you're not engaged in how God reveals himself to us, then it is impossible for you to grow. Mm. You cannot grow apart from the word of God in one of those methods, meditating, memorization, reading, listening. So you have Bible engagement. Mm -hmm. And then I would say third, that's integral. And this often surprises people is as a member of the body of Christ, we have a purpose and a function with our giftings. Sometimes we fail to understand the importance of what serving does, not for those that we are ministering to, but for our own souls. Serving, using your gifts that God has given to you to serve others is one of the greatest balms, one of the greatest mercies for your own soul. Mm -hmm. Do you want to, you want to see how growth takes place? It's often the opposite of myopic introspection. It's where we get our eyes off of ourselves and put it onto others and say, how can I be a blessing to them? How can I encourage them in their faith? How can I facilitate them being more like Jesus and service is a habit. Mm -hmm. You get in the habit of serving other people or you don't. And so if, if we were to just say, what are maybe some fundamental habits? I don't know if I would weight those in that particular order, but I would say every counselee has to be engaged in a local church. Mm-hmm. Every counselee has to be engaged in the Bible. And every counselee has to be engaged in using their gifts in some capacity to serving others. Uh, I couldn't encourage everybody to listen to exactly what you said more. And in fact, I, I wrote a book on that issue, The Church is a Culture of Care. And I think it's that important that the local church is, is a critical place to offer soul care, but it's a, it's the place where we need to be assimilated for regular care of all of our souls. I think it's that critical. I, I love those three things, Greg. I think that's going to be even simplifying, but, but radically world-changing, because w- what we're after is not just to change a little piece and part of what a person does but to change the whole of their life that's given now to Christ in every aspect of their being, that they bring glory to the Lord in in everything that they do. And these are three things, I would argue, like you did, prescribed in the Scriptures to make that happen. Now, we do come to this crossroad, okay, as a counselor, where this is is a difficult crossroad. What if we see counselees not developing some of these habits? I mean, Mm -hmm. and we see this, this, this happens. So how do you as a counselor handle a situation like that? Let me make a reach back to critical stages of biblical counseling. You guys remember that book? The J. Adams Timeless Text for a while. I think it was republished recently. He used the the vocabulary of termination. Mm-hmm. And when don't I first love, read Don't that, you love that word? <laughs> I love terminator. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it it is a bit of a difficult word, but the concept is is phenomenal. Exactly. And Now, I may not use termination in my vocabulary as well, but I definitely employ that concept where Jay was basically saying, if a counselee isn't doing what you're asking them to do, Mm -hmm. then what you may need to do is to have that meeting of, hey, Wayne Mack would call it inducing them, you know, gaining a commitment. Mm -hmm. And if they're unwilling to follow through, then maybe you do need to terminate counseling with them for now until they're willing to start these, these habits and these practices. And And when you first read that, you're like, man, that can be really unkind. You know, this person's hurting. How dare we just drop them and then walk away? But the point is this, that we're not really helping a person if they're failing to implement the things that we're talking about. Worse yet, we may actually hurt them because they'll think, well, I went to go see a biblical counselor and nothing changed. 
And the biblical counselor would say, well, yeah, because you didn't do anything I told you to do. Mm-hmm. And so that, what do we do when we start to get to that point? It's not that the first failure to do homework that we drop the counseling and walk away, but that we are willing to say, hey, if you're not going to practice these habits, then don't expect this to be a beneficial process for you because you need God's word. You need God's people. You need God's resources. And if you're not engaging in practices that represent that, then I'm not going to be a great help to you as a biblical counselor because this is what I do. This is how I help you according to God's way. No, super well said. And I think I think there's a way that we can do that and and, and be kind. I, I move into what I call modes of warning, right? When, when a person is, is not doing things that are clearly set out in the Scripture, and I just gently and kindly warn them, brother, listen, if you keep walking in this direction, you keep neglecting these th- these types of habits, biblically, this is what the Bible says will happen, right? The way of the transgressor is hard. And you're, you're looking at things in the future that are that are not going to be simple for your life. And I try to warn in that way. So, I mean, I think that's a good a good idea. But we seem afraid of that idea today. But, but I do think that's the most helpful thing where a person comes to a, a crossroad and they have to make decisions whether they're going to follow the things of God or or follow their own way as they've been doing. Now, when we talk about habits, particularly if, if people have been around the biblical counseling movement for, for very long, they know some of the history of, of Jay Adams's talk relative to habituation, all right? And I want you to talk about that for just a second and some of the ways that you're you're defending some of the ideas of habits, certainly, but but I think you're, you're helping us to move along even in some of this thinking, bringing some things together. But But one of the most critical things that I want us to do at this point is, as we push habits, as we talk about habits with our counselees, what prevents or how do we keep some of our counselees from becoming behavioristic, right? Because that was one of the the big, you know, criticisms of Jay is that he's he's a behaviorist. He's just pushing this idea of habits and, and he's, you know, a, a biblical behaviorist. So how do we keep yeah. a, a counselee from, from becoming that way? You know, that was the accusation that I think it was hard for Jay to shake that in some of the programming language that he used about habits and habituation. So how do we how do we not fall susceptible to doing that or even maybe communicating that to our counselees? In the beginning of the book, I think it's chapter one, I, I talk about behaviorism. And what I try to show is that really fundamentally you cannot be a Christian and be a behaviorist because Watson's behaviorism was a soulless behaviorism. And so sometimes it's like throwing tar on a person when you call him a behaviorist. It's like, you can't get that off, you know? Mm-hmm. So behaviorism just fundamentally, it's insulting because it's like, hey, I, I believe in a soul. I believe in a, the eternal soul, you know, like, so we have to be very cautious about that. I, but I think what people mean is that we're maybe focusing too much on the outer man and not enough on the inner man. And so that then renders the solution. It's we, we have to have a habits and heart perspective. Mm-hmm. So if the counselee just wants to know what they got to do, just tell me what to do. That's important. Okay, let's help show you according to the scripture what you are supposed to be doing right now. Speaking in this way, trusting the Lord in this way, not being angry in this way. Yes. But also, why are we doing that? Mm-hmm. Because technically I could just jump into, this is how you should speak. Let's go to be honest, keep current, attack the problem, not the person, mm-hmm. uh, act, don't react. But I haven't got at the motivation of why you speak and I haven't got at the heart. So if 
if we're trying to prevent counselees from being behavioristic, we can't just get to, oh, here's what you do. We have to continue to focus on this is how the gospel propels us into what we do. This is how we're motivated from the heart to please God in what we do. So it, it has to be the heart and habits, heart and habits. Yeah, that, that's important for all of us to understand. First is that you're warning us about the two ditches on either side, right? We need both and, not either or. And our tendency is to swing the pendulum. So we've got to be cautious about that. We need both heart motivation and we need habits that help to foster. It becomes the soil by which we see the beauty of that motivation happen. But that brings a question. So let's guard against one side of the ditch here. And maybe we'll finish with this. Should a counselee pursue a habit even when they don't feel like it, right? So that's guarding us against just becoming behavioristic. We, you know, there's this tendency, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to ask them to do something, especially when they say they don't, they don't feel like it or they're not motivated in the right way. But should we, should we ask a counselee to keep pursuing this even when they don't feel like it? I had a counselee ask me, Greg, what do I do when my want to is broken? <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Mm. I've thought that about 2 million times in my own life. <laughs> what do I do when my one, two is broken? The answer is that you, by faith, with the help of the spirit, you obey. Mm. Let me just give you a really practical example. For those of us that have lived in a cold climate, it is much it is a very enjoyable thing. I can say it that way. It's a very enjoyable thing to sleep in in the morning, stay in the warm bed. But yet we know that our time in devotion, our time in the word is of paramount importance. So in, in just a very fair sense, I would maybe rather just sleep at 6 a.m. at that exact moment. I would rather be asleep. I'd rather stay in the bed. But I know that that habit of reading the word is so fundamental and it's so important for my life for my family, for my ministry, for my counseling. So what do I do at that moment when I don't feel like it? I, by faith, through the Spirit's work in my life, I get out of the bed and I go do my devotions. And I may not immediately want to be there right now. I might immediately want to be in my warm bed. But yet that act of faith and obedience is what God uses to change my want to, to change my feeling to, it gets to the point to where it's like, okay, there was a point where I didn't really want to get up at 6am and do my devotions, but now I want to, and now I'm excited to, and now it's not even a wrestle at all. This is what I want to be doing at this time of the day. So how do you break the, I don't feel like it. You do that through spirit filled obedience. And that's your habits. Amen. And, and that takes time. You, you don't snap fingers and that, that comes about. And that's why we need counsel. That's why we need the, the local body, right, to come alongside, to walk, persevere with an individual until these things are, are settled. Greg, this has been helpful. Really great conversation. And I'm really excited about your new book. We'll definitely put a link to that in our show notes. And uh, so thanks for taking some time with us this morning and, and giving us some insight. You're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of ACBC. I'm so grateful for Greg and his work, Heart and Habits. I do want to commend this book to you. I think it'll be helpful in your continued growth as a counselor, especially as you want to encourage healthy habits. You want to encourage healthy habits that's motivated by the Spirit of God and by His Word. So I want to encourage you in that. And let me just mention one thing. We we are implementing CEUs, Continuing Education Units, and 
it's topics like this that we need to continue to grow in, to develop our skill, to develop our knowledge, to develop our wisdom as counselors. It, we've not arrived as being primary experts. We're still growing in the things of God. And one of the reasons I want to see this implemented with ACBC and our counselors is we all need to grow. And it's topics just like this that we're going to be offering through our training centers around the country, even around the world, for our counselors to continue to stay engaged in growing, in learning, in how to change the way that they counsel according to the scriptures to engage their counselees at a higher level. And so I want you to look for this coming up, the continuing education units that will be offered through our training centers around the country and around the world at biblicalcounseling.com. 